Chapter Four of Bow Brocade by Baroness Emma Orksey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Jock Miggs, the Shepherd. Be you at home, Master Stitch? A curious, wizened little figure stood in the doorway, peering cautiously into the forge in a moment john stitch was on the alert Shh! he whispered quickly have no fear my lord tis only some fool from the village did ye say ye bain't at home master stitch queried the same tremulous voice again i didn't quite hear ye yes yes i'm here all right jock miggs said the smith heartily come in jock miggs came in making as little noise and taking up as little room as possible dressed in a well-worn smock and shabby corduroy breeches he had a curious shrunken timid air about his whole personality as he removed his soft felt hat and began scratching his scanty tow-colored locks he was a youngish man too probably not much more than thirty yet his brown face was a mass of ruts and wrinkles like a furrowed path on brassing moor morning mr stitch morning he said with a certain air of vagueness and apology as with obvious admiration he stopped to watch the broad back of the smith and his strong arms wielding the heavy hammer morning miggs retorted john not looking up from his work how's the old woman i dunno mr stitch replied miggs with a dubious shake of the head badly i expect same as yesterday he added in a more cheerful spirit why what's the matter i dunno mr stitch that there's anything the matter explained jock miggs with slow and sad deliberation but she's dead same as yesterday involuntarily philip laughed at the quaint fatalistic statement hello said miggs looking at him with the same apathetic wonder who be yon lad that's my nephew jim out of nottingham said john come to give me a hand morning lad piped miggs in his high treble as he extended a wrinkled bony hand to stretton lud john stitch he exclaimed any one'd know he's one of your family from the muscle he's got and gently meditatively he rubbed one shrivelled hand against the other looking with awe at the fine figure of a man before him a banging lad your nephew too he added with a chuckle he'll be turning the heads of all the girls this side of brassington maybe oh i'll warrant he's got a sweetheart at home eh jim lad or maybe more than one but what brings ye here this day friend miggs the wizened little face assumed a puzzled expression i don't know he said vaguely maybe i wanted to tell ye about the soldiers i seed at the royal george over brassington way what about em miggs i don't know i see a corporal and lots of fellers in red some say there's more o them 
i don't know ha said stitch carelessly what are they after i don't know commented miggs imperturbably some say they're after that chap bow brocade there was a coach stopped on the heath gen last night fifty guineas he took out of it he did and jock miggs chuckled feebly with apparent but irresponsible delight some folks say it were sir humphrey challoner's coach over from hartington and no one's going to break their hearts over that he 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 but i don't know he added with sudden frightened vagueness be they cavalry soldiers over at the royal george miggs asked john i don't know i seed no horses looks more like foot soldiers but i don't know the corporal he read out something just now about our getting twenty guineas if we shoot one of them rebels i'd be mighty glad to get twenty guineas master stitch he said reflectively but i don't know as how i could handle a musket rightly and folks say them traitors are mighty desperate fellows but i don't know then with sudden resolution jock miggs turned to the doorway morning master stitch he said decisively morning lad morning morning miggs however it seemed that jock miggs visit to the forge was not so purposeless as it at first appeared he 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 chuckled as if suddenly recollecting his errand i'd almost forgot why i came farmer crabtree wanted to know master stitch if you'm got the weather's collar mended yet oh yes to be sure replied the smith pointing to a rough bench on which lay a number of metal articles you'll find it on that there bench jock farmer crabtree sold ye his sheep yet jock toddled up to the bench and picked up the weather's collar Noah, he muttered not yet worse luck and his temper is that hot so don't ye charge him too much for the collar master stitch or it's me that'll have to suffer and miggs rubbed his shoulder significantly stitch laughed philip himself in spite of his anxiety could not help being amused at the quaint figure of the little shepherd with his wizened face and gentle vaguely fatalistic manner thus it was that no one in the forge had perceived the patter of small feet on the mud outside and when jock miggs with more elaborate mornings and final leave-takings once more reached the doorway he came in violent collision with a short becloaked and closely hooded figure that was picking its way on very small very high-heeled shoes through the maze of puddles which guarded the entrance to the forge the impact sent jock miggs scared and apologetic stumbling in one direction whilst the grey hood flew off the head of its wearer and disclosed in the setting of its shell-pink lining a merry pretty impudent little face with brown eyes sparkling and red lips pouting in obvious irritation lud man said the dainty young damsel withering the unfortunate shepherd with a scornful glance 
why don't you look where you're going i don't know replied jock miggs with his usual humble vagueness morning miss morning master stitch morning and still scared still in obvious apology for his existence he pulled at his forelock readjusted his hat over his yellow curls took his final leave and presently began to wend his way slowly back towards the heath but within the forge at first bound of the young girl's voice stretton had started in uncontrollable excitement betty he whispered eagerly clutching john stitch's arm ay ay replied the cautious smith but i beg you my lord keep in the background until i find out if all is safe mistress betty's saucy brown eyes followed jock miggs's quaint retreating figure well you're a pretty bit of sheep's wool ain't ye she shouted after him with a laugh and a shrug of her plump shoulders then she peered into the forge lud love you master stitch she said how goes it with you in obedience to counsels of prudence stretton had retired into the remote corner of the forge john stitch too was masking the entrance with his burly figure all the better mistress betty he said for a sight of your pretty face he had become very red had honest john and his rough manner seemed completely to have deserted him in fact not to put too fine a point upon it the worthy smith looked distinctly shy and sheepish she looked up at him and laughed a pleased coquettish little laugh the laugh of a woman who has oft been told that she is pretty and has not tired of the hearing john stitch moreover was so big and burly folks called him hard and rough and it vastly entertained the young damsel to see him standing there before her as awkward and uncomfortable as jock miggs himself am i not to step inside master stitch she asked yes yes mistress betty murmured john who seemed to have lost himself in admiration of a pair of tiny buckled shoes muddy to the ankles such ankles which showed to great advantage beneath betty's short green kirtle an angry impatient movement behind him however quickly recalled his scattered senses did her ladyship receive a letter mistress he asked eagerly oh yes a stranger brought it replied betty with a pout for she preferred john's mute appreciation of her small person to his interest in other matters however the demon of mischief no doubt whispered something in her ear for the further undoing of the worthy smith for she put on a demure mysterious little air turned up her brown eyes sighed with affectation and murmured ecstatically oh such a stranger the fine eyes of him master stitch and such an air and oh added little madame with unction such clothes but though no doubt all these fine airs and graces wrought deadly havoc in poor john's heart he concealed it well enough 
under a show of eager impatience yes yes the stranger he said casting a furtive glance behind him he gave you a letter for my lady la you needn't be in such a hurry master stitch retorted mistress betty adding with all the artifice of which she was capable the stranger wasn't but this was too much for john there had been such a wealth of meaning in betty's brown eyes oh he wasn't was he he asked with a jealous frown and pray what had he to say to you there was no message except the letter but the demon of mischief was satisfied and betty was disposed to be kind even if slightly mysterious oh never mind she rejoined archly he gave me a letter which i gave to my lady that was early this morning well and but matters were progressing too slowly at any rate for one feverish anxious heart philip had tried to hold himself in check though he was literally hanging on pretty mistress betty's lips now he could contain himself no longer lady patience had had his letter the mysterious highwayman had not failed in his trust and the news betty had brought meant life or death to him throwing prudence to the winds he pushed john stitch aside and seizing the young girl by the wrist he asked excitedly yes this morning betty then then what did her ladyship do betty was frightened and like a child was ready to drown her fright in tears she had not recognized my lord in those dirty clothes don't you know me betty asked philip a little more quietly betty cast a timid glance at the two men before her and smiled through the coming tears of course my lord i she murmured shyly tis my nephew jim out of nottingham mistress said john sternly try and remember that and now tell us what did her ladyship do she had the horses put to not an hour after the stranger had been thomas is driving and timothy is our only other escort but we've not drawn rein since we left the hall yes yes came from two pairs of eager lips and my lady stopped the coach about two hundred yards from here continued betty with great volubility and she told me to run on here to see that the coast was clear she knew i could find my way and she wouldn't trust timothy as she trusts me added the young girl with a pretty touch of pride but where is she betty where is she betty pointed to the clump of firs which stood like ghostly sentinels on the crest of the hill just where the road turned sharply to the east just beyond those trees my lord and she made timothy watch until i came round the bend and in sight of the forge but la the mud on the roads tis fit to drown you but already john stitch was outside beckoning to mistress betty come mistress quick he said excitedly her ladyship must be nigh crazy with impatience by your leave my lord i'll help mistress betty on her way 
and I'll keep this place in sight. I'll go no further. Yes, yes, rejoined Philip feverishly. Go, go, fly if you can. I'll be safe. I'll not show myself. God give you both wings, for I'll not live now till I see my sister. Eager, boyish, full of wild gaiety, he seemed to have thrown off his morbid anxiety as he would a mantle. He even laughed wholeheartedly as he watched Betty with many airs and graces, lads, and I vows, making great pretense at being unable to walk in the mud and leaning heavily on honest Stitch's arm. He watched them as they picked their way up the so-called road, a perfect quagmire after the heavy September rains. The air seemed so different now, the heath smelt good, there was vigor and life in the keen nor'wester, how green the bracken looked, and how harmoniously it seemed to blend with the purple shoots of the bramble laden with ripening fruit, how delicate the more tender green of the gorse, and there that vivid patch of mauve the first glimpse of opening heather the heavy clouds too were rolling away the september sun was going to have his own way after all and spread his kingdom of blue and gold over the distant derbyshire hills hope had come like the divine magician to chase away all that was grey and sad and dreary and hope had met youth and shaken him by the hand they are such friends such inseparable companions these two what mattered it that some few yards away the old gallows like some eerie witch still spread its gaunt arm over that fluttering bit of parchment the proclamation of his majesty's parliament what though it spoke of death of treachery of bills of attainder of tower hill did not the good nor'wester from the moor flutter round it and in wanton frolic attack it now with madcap fury and a shrill whistle and now with a long drawn-out sigh the parchment resisted with vigour it bore the onslaught of the wind twice thrice and once again but the nor'wester was not to be outdone and again it renewed the attack took the parchment by the corner pulled and twisted at it until at last with one terrific blast it tore the royal proclamation off the old gallows and sent it whirling in a mad gallop across the moor far very far away on to derby to london to the place where all winds go. End of chapter 4